0: Thank you all. Uh, just with that song. Uh, that- the, the love that fights till I'm found leaves the 99, uh, share with you a little praise report with our youth. Uh, our youth just went to Colorado Estes Park to a, a camp, uh, in Colorado. They've enjoyed 70 degree weather all week, uh, while you all have been sweating. Uh, but, uh, uh, the church did a great job in supporting that and helping them to, to go. And, uh, from that, um, at, at least six of our kids accepted Christ for the first time on that trip. And so <clears throat> they they estimate and this is this is some research and, and guesstimations and stuff, but the average church in the United States will spend over $91,000 for one convert. That's how much ministry costs and the fruit of getting one convert. And so if we can put a few thousand dollars together to send some kids to a camp and have six, it's well worth it, don't you think? Amen. Um, that that was a mediocre response, but that's, a, that's all right. But there you go. It, it's. At least the angels are celebrating. Our church isn't there yet, but the angels are celebrating. But so we we are in we are in this series about fundamental truths, and uh, I'm going to continue that this morning. What, what, if you notice, I'm not doing like a catechism class or a, a basic Christianity class. What, uh, what we'll get more of that this fall. I'm going to do a series on the Apostles' Creed, of walking through some of the elements of the uh, Apostles' Creed. Uh, but what we're trying to do is just grasp some of those importances of, of characteristics and, and elements of, of Christianity and, and fundamentals of what we believe and who we're trying to be. And so uh, so, sort of dotting around the map on that. And it's a holiday weekend. We're celebrating 4th of July. So I thought, why not talk politics and just tick everyone off? Um, (laughs) And so we're going to do that this morning. Uh, And, and, you know, it's funny because, uh, I mean, as I, I... as long as I've been in ministry, uh, people have two reactions when when you talk about something quote-unquote political. Um, you got those that are like, amen, you need to say more of that. And then you have others that say you should never do that and don't, it doesn't belong in the church. And here's what I've found. The same people will put up with it depending on what the subject is. Right Here, Here's the key. If, if what I say agrees with your opinion, you're going to think I'm saying the gospel truth. <laughs> if I cross a boundary with you, I'm a heathen. Right? And I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality. And, and, and add to that, the, just the tenor of where we are as a country over the last few years. Go back to, to pandemic forward, right? The, the, just this, this growing disrest and this, this growing argument of, of culture and government and, and principalities and, and things with that and, uh, you know, mask, no mask. Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. I mean, just you can just go all the way down the the border crisis and uh, shut them down, and their people. And they, I mean, no matter what it is, depending on what you're comfortable with, you're gonna receive or not receive what what is said about that. Um, And so just in preparation of that, in your bulletin, you'll see um, my email address. It's (laughs) davidpain.david.pain at kfumc.org. I would love to erase your comments. So that was... (laughs) But in that, through, through these years, and, I mean, and, and it's built up. It's always been in the background of us as a society. But over these years, the, these questions are rising up of, you know, with, with, with the direction our country is headed and what's happening in our world and the cultural battles that are happening and the, the voices of, 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 of Character or non-character or direction or importance and the noise of, of disruption within our world. Shouldn't the church be doing something about that? Shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be addressing that in some way? And again, uh, your, your answer, your, your, the what, what you're looking for supports whatever it is you think needs to happen, right? We don't really want to have discussions about hard uh, issues in the church. We want somebody to affirm what we already believe so that we can pat ourselves on the back and say, well, I knew I was right on that one, right? And here's what every one of us believe. Our version of the truth is the right one, right? And if everyone else would just think like me, the world would be a better place. But the fact of the matter is we we can't are you married? You can't even agree with one person in your life. (laughs) Right? And yeah and so there 's this growing angst and it 's not just politically it 's in churches It's it 's in the, the the faith community and not just the Methodist church if you if you pay attention to that kind of thing it 's happening in the baptist Church i mean there's, there's this this sort of polarization of of people is happening all around and and it 's Fourth of July and we we love to be patriotic and 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 yes, we live in a wonderful Country that has immense uh, freedoms in that, but at the same time, uh, not everyone is able to enjoy those freedoms, and we we mistreat and and are headed in weird directions, and we've made gods out of things and people that have no place in being gods, and and our kids and youth are being subjected and and uh, brainwashed with all sorts of weirdness and and. And, and ridiculousness and and it's really it's really in vogue to say and it's all the government's fault or at least the other political party from which you're associated's fault if it wasn't for them we'd be in a better place if we had prayer in schools, we'd be, we'd be a better nation. If we had the Ten Commandments posted, we would be a better nation. By the way, you can't even keep one of those, let alone ten. <laughs> and we love to, to blame them. And again, my email is david.pain at kfumc.org. I don't think it's them that's the problem. Because all this kind of stuff is not new. Read your Bible. There's political unrest from the beginning. There's people doing horrible things from the beginning. There's religious people misusing their power from the beginning. If you really are concerned about the direction of our nation of, 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 and by the way, I haven't picked up the Bible yet because this is the preamble and this is the David rant part. We'll get to the scripture in a moment and we'll end with God's word, not my word, right? But if you really are concerned about this nation, it, we, we need to understand that it's not going to be political. Things that fix it, and it's not—it's not them that's ruining the world for us. To me, if you want to blame the downfall on something, I think we, the church, bear a lot of the blame. Not we, Carefree First United Methodist Church, but we, the Christian church, because. I mean go back to how this country was founded, read uh, some of the the stuff that our our our, for, our founding fathers did in order to establish a government that was going to allow freedom and give uh, and, and run as a democracy there's an understanding and a necessity that character and ethics ethics and morality needed to exist you you can't have a free society uh, where everybody just does whatever they want to the to the detriment of everyone around Around them There has to be some kind of moral foundation for that, and that 's why, as they developed the, the framework for this country that 's why religious freedom was so important to them that, and the, uh, the idea of, of of the recognition of a moral authority or a divine agent or or God, as those of us in the church would refer to it that if, if we 're going to be that free nation that's only can exist. With the kind of morality and, and direction that that God can provide. And that's why they, they wanted to make sure that the voices of religion couldn't be silenced by by government agencies. But here's, here's the deal, church. We took that power and we took our position of being the voice of reason within the culture. We took the the, the commandment to be light and salt to the darkness and the blandness around us. And we turned it into convenience and preference. We made gods out of sports heroes and authors and celebrity pastors. We, we tied our politics to our religion and put it in a bow that makes us all feel good about ourselves and meanwhile, The voice of God around us has deteriorated. Who cares if they took the prayer out of schools? If we were doing our job and teaching our kids about where power comes from, you couldn't keep prayer out of the schools. If we were if we were training up our kids and teaching them about the the power of God and our duty to serve him and to submit ourselves to him and that he alone deserves worship and glory and honor. It doesn't matter what darkness come against them because they would have a foundation in which to survive that. So this morning what I wanted to do was just remind us where hope comes from. Uh, Wait... And again, this is, this is David's opinion. And I got comfortable a long time ago knowing that a lot of people disagree with the truth. <laughs> I'm joking, sort of. But, um, but see, that, I'm glad you can laugh at that because that's, right there is the issue. that Every one of us has our own version of truth. And, and there, there is no one, not one human being can say, I fully understand it. We all have a version of the truth. None of us fully understand. We're, we're trying, we, we try to, to put everything into a basket that's all inclusive of this is God, bam. But we, we just can't do that. God is incomprehensible for us human beings. He's unfathomable for us. At best, we get a glimpse of who he is, and we put faith and trust in, in the gap there. But as, as, as I said, this whole idea and this whole thing that we're going through as a culture, it's not new. It, it's new and unique in how it's happening, but it's not new and unique within the human experience. There's always been political battling. There's always been war. There's always been atro- atrocities against other human beings. There's always been religious leaders who have who have sought their own power instead of leaning people to God. It's always taken place. I mean, in the Old Testament, you see it over and over and over again. In the New Testament, you see it happening. In, our, in all of our history, you see this this flow of, and and whenever that begins to happen, people begin to cry out. Where's God? What's he doing? He should do this. He should do that. Why hasn't he done that? When is he going to do that? Shouting out from the bleachers, Hey, you need to do something different. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 40 today. Isaiah written to uh, the Israelites, God's chosen people who had turned their their special connection with God as being the chosen people, their relationship with God, they'd given that over. They weren't they weren't following that. They weren't honoring God. They'd turned it into a political identity more than that was a relationship with God. And in that God was withdrawing blessing. They were being subject to the The power of their enemies and they were crying out and and trying to tell God what he should do. And what I'm going to read is uh, you can sort of consider as God's answer to them, to their critique and question of where are you? God, I think it is perfectly relatable to who we are and where we are at. Why isn't God doing something? Isaiah 40. Begin in verse twelve. Who else has hold the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains on a and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what's right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They're nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they may choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down? Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you that ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him seem like grasshoppers. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes a tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When he blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up in the heavens. Who created all the stars? Who brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name? Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is God's answer to, to all the, the whining that people are are doing. It's not the only place he does that. I can think of a couple at least. Uh, Job, the book of Job, after everything's been taken from him, he's had to take it from his wife and then take it from his friends and then t- t- sit in the mud in his own grief and sorrow and question God of why is this happening to me. And then God goes on this three-chapter deal of who are you to ask me what I'm doing? Right in, in the book of Romans, as Paul moves from explaining uh, God and and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the offer of salvation in chapters nine through eleven, he then gets into this discussion for the Jewish people and the Israelite people that that were saying, "Wait a minute, we were God's chosen people. Are are they just cast aside now? This new covenant with Jesus—that's not fair. And why why are you doing that?" And, and basically, what comes out of that is, "I'm God." I'll do whatever I want, and we get a sense of that here. That we we have this idea, uh, and 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 again uh, throughout throughout these these years, um, I'll use the easiest example. During the last election, I had people on both sides saying, "You need to support this candidate from the pulpit, or else you can't be a Christian pastor." So how would have that gone if I would have done that for folks, right? We'd lose people on that. You would have lost me on that one, right? We, 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 we think that there's something we need to do to make a difference, to stand up. And in America, we're particularly prone to this. We're the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's our strength and our energy that's going to make us a great nation, But again, what made this a great nation in this great experiment called the United States of America was one nation under God. That's what makes America great. If we want to see America restored, I don't know that we ever were that great. But if we wanted to be greater than what we are now, we, we need God. It's not going to be, it's not going to be your political movement or the company you won't buy from uh, anymore because they did this or they did that. It's not going to be the meme that this Facebook post is going to get them. The world is going to change because I posted this. That's not going to change anything. God is reminding people that, hey, you, you, the world, it says the people are like grasshoppers, which that's a different metaphor than before. He says the earth is like a grain of sand. We, we, have, we are so insignificant in the, the midst of all that goes on. And, and in our experience, we get just this little microscopic view of an immense, infinite amount of thing. And then through our little telescope of our experience, we try to tell God what he should do. It's sort of like being a football fan, right? Or if you, if you had kids that played a sport and you're pretty sure you could have coached the team better than the coach did, right? We, most of us couldn't run a block if we had to, but we think we could coach the Dallas Cowboys better than... And that's probably true, but... <laughs> But we do we, we don't see the whole picture, and that's what God's turned to do for us is to draw the curtain back and say, "Okay, I get it in your little world, you don't understand this, but you have to understand who I am and he could do do you understand the breadth of the world and creation? I mean as sophisticated as we are, and as in much advancement we've made in knowledge and stuff there are our 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 solar system our, our our universe is so unknown to us even on planet earth we were reminded in the last couple of weeks with the with the uh, the submarine thing that, that even the depths of the ocean we 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 have no handle on even that let alone all of creation and all of history and all of the plans what makes us think that our idea or our opinion is going to make the difference and and add to that there 's this yeah, but if we don 't we, we love to sort of quote heroic figures and it 's not really biblical but it 's inspiring, and so we attach that to it that yeah but if if strong people don 't stand up against evil, then evil 's going to run rampant well evil's already running rampant and it always has from day one. It, it, it's just the reality. But for those of us who believe, this book takes us on a journey from when God breathed everything into existence, watched it inevitably be destroyed by sin. And then as you get to the last, it's restored into fullness and his His whole plan is accomplished exactly the way he wanted it to be. Do you really think if we don't stand up that the whole thing's gonna fall apart? If that's the kind of faith you have, I'm sorry, our God's bigger than that. The history of mankind is not dependent upon you or me. It's in the hands of God who has more power and authority than you can ever imagine. If you really care about what's happening, if you really want to make a difference, it's not about the stand we take, it's who we bow before that's going to make the difference we need to instead of thinking that it's going to be our voice and our deal that makes the difference it we need to learn that in order for us to be great we must be the least to be the least and uh Verse 28, I can't see who's back there. Let's go to verse 28. Um, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary, and no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Okay, now let's go to the next verse. He gives power to the weak and strength to the Powerless. Let's talk about this for just a minute. Right? We, we love this section that we're in. It goes on to say, And those who trust in the Lord will mount up like eagles. And, and it would be a really good way for me to get you all on there. And so let's do that. And we'll fly and soar like eagles. Go America. And then, and then we'd end. And it'd be great. We, we rush to the end. And we miss this. We miss this. The Lord never grows weak or weary. He gives power to those who take the strongest stand. That's not what it says. No, who does he give power to? To the weak. That's about humbleness, folks. That's about a giving away of authority, not a grabbing on of authority. When Do a history check of when the church operates... With assurance of authority and truth against other people groups. It's horrible and ugly. But do a study of what God does for people who give themselves to Him. He restores their soul, He gives them purpose and meaning, He gives them new life, He forgives their sins. As a a people, we need to quit thinking it's the next thing or the next president or the next party or the next election cycle or the next whatever whatever it is. We need to put our trust in God. To fall on our face before him. I mean, does it mean that we don't care what's going on in the world? Absolutely not i'm concerned about the future for 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 young people and and families and and communities it it's disturbing but i know the one who holds the keys to heaven and hell and when it, there's nothing more powerful that we can do than to submit ourselves to him that 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 moral compass that our founding fathers said we needed in order to operate we're seeing the erosion of that and and church we've too easily gone along with that and just given the keys to the vehicle away and said yeah well well i mean let's all just it's not that important anyway i mean me and god are good it's more than that this whole thing that we call the Christian life is a, is a sacrifice that we make on behalf of humanity for one another. We're going to celebrate Holy Communion. It's all about sacrifice. That night, before he gave himself up for us, Jesus said to his to his folks, "This is my command: you should love one another the way that I love you." He started the evening by meeting him at the table, dressed in a in a towel, knelt down before him, the King of Kings, Lord of Lord, Jesus, in, uh, God in the flesh, knelt down before his disciples, the ones who were going to leave him and flee him and and sell him out and wash their dirty, stinking feet, and said, "What I've done for you, I want." you to do for others if you really care about it this is how we turn our society around and no I don't understand it I'm not the one who came up with the plan hallelujah I would just start it over but God somehow is gonna get us to Revelation 21 and 22, despite all the evil in the world. We humble ourselves. The sacrament that we're about to celebrate reminds us, one of the common objections to what I'm saying, and there's a popular author out right now that he has a quote about "Christians who are nice are the worst," because it just shows our weakness, and we need to be meaner to society, and that's why we're going downhill. And I, I disagree. I think the world has enough jerks. <laughs> we don't need to add to the numbers. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye. It's we really understand what love means. And we're about to celebrate what love means. It's not cheap. It's costly. The very son of God had to be beaten, humiliated, tortured, bled and died for us so that we could be loved. There's no cheapness to it. There's no cowardice to it. There's no sellout to it. It is the most expensive thing that we can ever do is to love others. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. And he broke the bread and he passed around the table and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, I want you to remember me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he passed around the table and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is uh, the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, I want you to remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you bow with me and let's pray together? Heavenly Father, send your spirit upon us. God, we desperately need you. We as a people desperately need you. We as a church desperately need you. We as families desperately need you. We as individuals desperately need you. called to be light in the darkness we're we're called to carry on your example of how to make a difference in the world as we receive these elements this this bread and this juice would you make it be for us your body and blood so that we might be nourished and strengthened in a way that would allow us to be your body and blood to the world around us take away our divisions in our individuality, in our hatred, in all that separates us, God, and may we be one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. And we pray this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen this time we invite those who are going to be serving to come forward